Eric, uh, come. On, it's August 17th, as he just said. Um, it's going to be on a Saturday. But, uh, but I've, been, uh, I've been watching a lot of his, uh, his messages online and things like that. I'm really excited about, about it. And it's, I think it's going to be a really powerful time together learning about how to live in the presence of God. I think a lot of Christians, they uh, have moments in their life where they're in the presence of God, but they're not living fully in the presence of God every day of their lives. And so this is really a lot of what he's going to talk about is how to live fully like immersed in the presence of God in the, with the Spirit of God every day and, uh, and how to function and live in that way to be used by God all the time and, and to, to be in that, in that mode of life. So anyway, um, it's $50 a person. Uh, you can sign up online to come. It's Saturday here at the church during the day. Uh, there's, uh, there, I know there's people who've already uh, committed from Granville Resurrection Life and Rockford Res. There's some people who've signed up, said they're coming from other states just to hear him speak uh, because he's, you know, he's tra- kind of traveling around and doing this. Our staff will be here. And so if you want to come, we'd love to have you come. If you're not really up with going online or, or that's not normal you know, for you to go online and sign up for an event, um, well, get with the times. And, uh, on the, but still, if you don't want to get with the times, uh, we are going to be having a table in the foyer a couple different times leading up to the event. One, the first time is the 30th, so two Sundays from now. And you can just pay right there at the desk, and we'll get you a ticket for the event. So looking forward to that. Everybody say, I'm going to go. All right, so save your pennies, $50, and we'll see you there. But, uh, but anyway, uh, last Sunday we started a new series called 8020 Faith. Everybody say 8020 Faith. And uh, the truth is, if, if we were honest with ourselves, a lot of Christians aren't living 100% devoted to God. Instead, they're living about 80-20. And there's, there's reasons for this. One, one of the biggest reasons is the society that we are now living in and that we've grown up in has taught us about uh, different ways of living that don't line up with the Word. And because of, of just because of society, we read some things in the Bible that we know are there, that we know that God talks about, but we, we just go, I think I know better. Or we, or we say, I just am going to omit that part and not live according to that part. Or I'm just going to say that was in that old time context when in reality it was new covenant teaching. Okay, so, uh, so the Bible has the, some challenging parts to it that uh, I think it was, I don't know, four years ago I did a series through the summer called 10 Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. These are most of them. <laughs> are the things that we, you know, that, that we read in the Bible and we go, ooh, that's hard for me. To, to grab hold of and hard for me to, to live out. But the fact of the matter is, is we can't be 80-20 Christians. We need to be 100% devoted. And, and so we're going to talk about some different subjects here. Some of them are going to be easy to talk about, and some of them are going to be a little bit of heavy hitters, okay? And they're going to be things that are going to kind of, you know, poke our heart and make us go, ooh, you know, I need to change, or that's tough to deal with. But the fact of the matter is, is if it's God's Word, it's God's Word. And we need to live by it. So Last week, um, we started out with a heavy hitter. Uh, we talked about sexual immorality and why God is so strong in his wording about us fleeing sexual immorality. Now, if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go on because the, the fact of the matter is, is that the vast majority of Christians are struggling with this. We know what the Bible says about it. We know that the Bible is very clear about it, yet we don't apply any of it because it's an area of our life that we just don't want to surrender to God. 
Okay, and so it's not it's not really condemning. If you weren't here, I, I want to encourage you to go back. Instead, really, the message is all about how our body is the temple of God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to dwell within us, and so we shouldn't be putting anything else into our body, into our mind, that's going to conflict with the fact that God is in us, right? And so it makes it easier to live a more moral life when you understand that, that your body is the temple of God and that, that he's in you and that if you do anything that's immoral, you're bringing that into the temple of God, okay? So, uh, so I'd encourage you to do that. Today, I'm going to go a completely different direction. And, uh, and so before I do, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for every person in this room and we thank you for all the fathers here. God, I thank you that you created these men to be examples of you as the loving Father that we have. So God, I pray that you'll inspire and motivate us, amen, to be mentors, to be the kind of people that when people look at us, when younger generations look at us, when children and wives and, and other people look at us, they say they are a great example of, of how God loves and how God leads. So God, motivate us to change and to be those kind of fathers, be those kind of men. God, I pray for every person in this room, and I just ask that as we get into your word today that you reveal something new to us, and that you reveal something in our lives that needs to change. And Lord, motivate us, support us, and lead us through that change. And so God, give us ears that hear, hearts that understand, and minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. And Lord, let these words be the words you need me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so if we were honest with ourselves, um, there's a reason why there's the 20% that we struggle with. And or maybe for you, it's just 5%. Or maybe it's 50% of the word that you struggle with, whatever it is. One of the major reasons is because we like the sin that we're in. We like, like either it feels good or it satisfies something in us or whatever it is. We like the sin that we're in. And, and I'm not talking about people who aren't saved, okay? I'm talking about Christians. How many know that Christians have sin in their lives, right? Okay? And so that we have this problem because, because there are certain things that are worldly, that, are, that, that completely stand in, in contrast or against what God teaches, but we like them. And so because we like them or value them so much, we tend to, to just say, well, I'm just, I know that, but I'm just not going to apply it. I know that, that, that God says this, but I'm, I'm going I'm to explain my way out of it. I'm going I'm to explain the way that I don't have to live that way anymore. But, but I think it's really important that, uh, that we, we don't live that way, that we surrender those things to God, all right? Um, I would just say this, we Christians, since we have sin in our life, are we disqualified from heaven if we have sin in our life? That was not a very clear answer from all of you. <laughs> See, we need that answer to be a confident one. The answer is no. Everybody say no. no. Are you disqualified from, from your faith if you have sin in your life? No, no. the answer is no. So I want to explain how this is, and I want to explain, you know, this, this situation. And this should, one, give you freedom, but also motivate you to change, okay? So in 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul wrote, um, wrote a letter to the Church of Corinthians, or the, the Corinthian people, and, um, and he's explaining, you know, kind of how to live. So this is what he says, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it says this, Looking at it, the it it's talking about is faith or your relationship with God, Looking at your relationship with God one way, you could say, well, anything goes because of God's immense generosity and grace. How many know that God's forgiveness is huge, right? It's huge. <laughs> I'm not a good 
Donald Trump impersonator. Uh, because it, I was trying, it, it fell flat, uh, unlike his hair. Uh, it's true. It's all right. So this is, this is the thing. This is what this is saying, is that we could say as Christians, hey, anything goes because God's grace is bigger than my sin. God's generosity and grace. We don't have to dissect and scrutinize every little thing that we do and see if it will pass muster. But then he says this. He says, but the point, the point of what? The point of your relationship with God, the point of your faith is not just to get by. In other words, God's grace covers your sin. So it doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. But we shouldn't just be accepting that grace just 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 to get by. The point isn't just barely to get by. See, 80-20 faith is kind of like trying to barely make it into heaven. This is where a lot of people are with their walk with God, is they are kind of living a life thinking, oh, if, I just, if I just do enough, I'll get to heaven. If I just, if I just you know, I, those things don't matter because, you know, God, God forgives me. Or you were thinking about the 4th of July party that's coming up and, and, and how much we're going to drink at the beach. And we're like, you know, just one day is not going to be a big deal. Nobody liked that one. <laughs> I'm just saying. Not that you can't have a drink. I'm just saying. You know, like we tend to rationalize out why we, why we can sin. And, and if we do that sin, will God forgive it or not? And will we make it into heaven or not? It's like, okay, so I realize, like, do not murder is a big deal. If I do that, maybe I won't make it into heaven. But if I do this little thing over here, it's not as big of a deal. When we start to do that, when we start to, to nitpick whether or not we're living 80-20 faith is what we're doing. We're living 80-20, we're living not fully devoted. So this is the thing. Instead of uh, instead of taking God's grace and saying, oh, it makes it so I'm, it's okay for me to sin, what we should do is say, hey, the fact that he gave me that incredible gift of grace should make me fully devoted to follow him. Should make me say, he, he did that for me. I'm going to give up all these things for him. Do you, do you following me? So we, we, it's a change of mentality. It's, it's, and so how do we how do, we do this? What, what do we do? How do we... Change in that in the I'm going to read from the book of Romans. It's a letter that was written for the church in Rome, and uh, and talking about some of these things because people in all generations, forever in all of history, have struggled with sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. People have struggled with being fully devoted to God. So this is what was written to the church in Rome, uh, Rome uh, Romans 12 verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living what? As a living sacrifice. So this literally says, because of God's grace, we should offer ourselves as a living what? Sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So how do we actually function in our faith is to sacrifice of ourselves. So I'm going to talk about today, sacrifice. Verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's what is. What His will is. His good and pleasing, perfect will. This is a big deal. Okay? This is huge. I can't do it. It doesn't work. Uh, you got to do the hand thing. And, uh, but how many people would like to know God's will for their life? 
And I think this is one of the most common questions that I get as a pastor. People go, you know, Pastor, I accepted the Lord, but I just don't know what God's will is for my life. I just don't know what direction to go. I'm still trying to figure out, like, what is God actually going to do, and, and what am I going to do for God, whatever. Like, how do we figure it out? This is the roadmap to how you figure out the, God's will for your life, his perfect will for your life. And, and it takes action on your part. What it takes is sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to know the will of God. And this is what it says. Offer your body as a living sacrifice, and then you will be able to see what God's will is for your life. And this seems like a weird concept. It seems weird. Like, why would sacrifice cause new direction in my life? Why would it? Well, it, it's not a weird concept. Think about everything else in life. Whenever you want to, to, to move into a different phase of life, whenever you want to achieve something different in life, you sacrifice. I mean, think about it this way. When you got, want to get your head back on straight, you normally sacrifice so, social media, right? When you want to uh, get your, yourself, when you want to lose weight, you sacrifice sugary foods. When you want to get in shape, you sacrifice time to go to the gym. When... Uh, when you need to break addictions, you go to rehab, and you sacrifice all your rights when you go to rehab. You, you know, this sacrifice thing isn't that weird. And, and I'll be honest, this isn't in my notes, but, um, but I talk to people all the time who, they, when, when, when you really evaluate and look at their life, they're not living for the Lord, they're, total, they're, they're committed to the sin that they're in, all of these different things, and then something bad happens in their life, and then they look at God and go, God, God, why would you do that? Where are you, God? And God's looking at them going, well, where were you? I mean, come on. We can't, we, just because we raised our hand and said, God, I love you, and you love me, let's be a happy family, and, and does not, doesn't mean that you've sacrificed anything. And you can't expect to just know the will of God just because you raised your hand in a service one day. The way to know the will of God is to sacrifice to find the new direction that he's got for you. And when you have other things in your life that matter more to you than God, you cannot find the will of God. It's like a roadblock. Because you will always defer to those things that matter more to you than God does. We can't be 80-20 Christians. We need to be 100% Devoted. We have to be. And um, this is not a new concept. Like, let's go back into the Old Testament. So, in the Old Testament, if you had sin in your life or you were a mess or you wanted to know God's direction for you, you had to go to the temple and you had to do what? You had to sacrifice something. And so, what was most valuable back then was uh, like livestock and things like that. And so, you had to bring one of the animals from your livestock. But you couldn't just bring anyone, you had to bring what? The best. Right? You, and you think, like, this doesn't make sense. Why would God make you get rid of the best thing that you have? Why would God, like, this is like, if you're a farmer, this is your breeding stock. This is like the best of the best genetics, the best, the best animal you have. You have to bring that in, and you have to give it up at the altar. Why, it wouldn't have been cool if God would have said, hey, bring that raggedy, half-dead animal like, it doesn't matter. You can drag it in, you know. Like, like, you know what? Like, it's okay. Take everything from it you can before you bring it. Use up every resource it can give you. And then, you know, in fact, let's have a feast before, and then let's just sacrifice whatever's left over. Like, he doesn't do that. God says, I want you to give your best. Why? Because it's valuable. And if you're willing to give up your most valuable thing for God, 
It shows that you're fully devoted. And we go, well, that's Old Testament. But it's not. Because this whole concept translates into our new covenant with, with Jesus. But now our best isn't a goat, okay? And now our best are all these other things that we find valuable in life. And, and we need to, to kind of ask ourselves this question. Can you sacrifice? Can I sacrifice what I value most for God? Or am I just sacrificing the things that are easy to sacrifice? Because if it's, if it's just about sacrificing things that are easy, then you're missing it altogether. For some of you, this is sacrificing relationships. You have people that you know are causing you to live outside of the will of what God has for you. You know it. But right now, I just mentioned it, and you thought of that person, and you thought, but I don't want to say no to the 4th of July party this year. I don't want to give up that girlfriend or boyfriend or significant other or friends with benefits or whatever you've got going on. Yes, I said that. (laughs) Because I like that. They're running. They're running. They heard that. They're running. (laughs) We're out. Some of us need to sacrifice addictions and things that, that we know are not healthy for us and they, we know they take, take our mind and our time and our heart. Some of us, we need to sacrifice our thought life. We need to take every thought captive. We need, to, we need to not look at the things we're looking at. We need to not do that stuff. Some of us need to do that. Sacrifice those things for God. Some of us, it's, it's just time. It's just time. Imagine if you spent 30 minutes every morning in the Word, how much more of the will of God you would understand for your life. And we look around at people. There's people in this room who are spiritually more mature and deeper than I am and than you are. And, and you look at those people and you go, man, how, how are they there? I wish I could be like that. You know how they got there? They sacrificed. They sacrificed their time to be in the Word. They sacrificed other things to do stuff for God instead of doing things for them. And here they are, and and you wish you were like them, and you just want it to happen the day that you raise your hand. But the fact of the matter is, is it takes effort. And it takes sacrifice. Hmm. Speaking of getting in the Word, if you're wondering about what book to get into, I'm kind of teaching out of Romans today. Romans is a great book. So if you need to start tomorrow, spending some time in the Word, start Romans 1.1 and start reading about how to live because Roman culture was actually very similar to our culture today, even though it was, you know, 2,000 years ago, just about. It, it wasn't as advanced as far as, you know, Facebook and stuff. But, uh, but, but they were living in the same kind of sin we're in, okay? And so, so read Romans. And don't just read through it like, oh, I got a chapter done today. Read just a, a small section and then break it down, dissect it, and go, what's this saying about me? And you'll find that you will discover things about yourself, about your walk with God, and about what God teaches that will enlighten you and lead you into a totally different direction with your life. So I'm going to go back to Romans. Uh, we're going to read in Romans 7, 6. Um, and, and so I, I'd want to read it to you, and then we'll break it down. Romans 7, 6 says this, But now... By dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Okay, so why did I pick this scripture? What is it talking about? Just reading it like that can be confusing. Um, 
The question is, is what, bound, what binds a person? What bound these people in this? Because that's kind of the, the subject. By dying to what once bound us. How many know that when you're, when you're deep in sin, that you are bound by that sin, right? That that thing has a grip on you. you when I uh, listed some of the things that people need to sacrifice, you probably associated yourself with some of those things. And you probably thought, man, but I can't get out of those things. I don't want to get out of those things. You are bound by those things. If there's a situation that you're in that you know isn't healthy, but you feel like you are the key that's, that's, that's the most important thing holding it together, and if you leave it, it's going to be a problem, you are bound by those things. And so God wants us to break the bondage, right? He doesn't want us to stay bound to those things. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom, right? There's freedom in the Spirit of the Lord. And interestingly enough, it says that when, in that same verse, which is, I think, still up, is, uh, it says that dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? And so what is it that bound them in this Scripture? It's, it's not actually technically sin. I mean, it is. But... It's the law of the Old Covenant. Now, we spent a number of weeks, a couple months ago, talking about how we don't live according to the Old Covenant, the, the Old Testament part of the Bible anymore, that we live according to Jesus' New Covenant. And this is just a continuation of that. The writer of Romans is saying, hey, we, we, you don't have to be bound by the law. And, because what actually defines sin? The law. Before the law was there, before God's law was there, what was morality? All of morality in the world, by the way, is based on the Old Testament law. People don't want to admit that, but what's right and wrong is all based off of what we find in the Old Testament law. And so if, so if, you're, sin, you know, if you're sinning, then you're breaking a rule of the Old Testament law, and you are now bound by that sin. And so what, what this is explaining is that when we accept Jesus and when we give up those things, we're breaking the bondage. When we sacrifice those things... We're breaking the bondage so that we can live in freedom with God. Let me, let me maybe say it this way to clear it up. The old covenant law was one that people looked at and said, what do I have to do to get by? But Paul writes that we're not supposed to just get by. Jesus' covenant is one of full devotion. Say, I need to be fully devoted. Yeah. So that scripture says we need to let the old law die and live for a different standard, one where God himself lives in us, where we live directed by God and, and fully devoted to God. But I think there's confusion about salvation, and I'll kind of bring it all around today with this. I think there's confusion about salvation. Um, most of you if, you, if you're, quote, saved today, you at some point or another raised your hand or stood up or came to the front of the church and and part of your salvation, the pastor or whoever it was said, hey, if you want to go to heaven, then you need to be saved. How many people have heard that before? Right? It's okay. You're not, I'm not going to, like, bash you or anything. But I, I have to ask you this question. What is salvation actually about? Is salvation actually about going to heaven? Well, it's confusing because we've been taught that it is, or we've heard that it is. We, it's all about eternity with God, right? But salvation is not actually about going to heaven. 
Getting saved isn't for you to go to heaven. Really, it's a process of fulfilling God's ultimate plan here on earth. So we have to ask ourselves, what is God's plan? You see how we've come all the way back around to the will of God? So we've talked about sacrifice and talked about what we need to do, laying ourselves down, laying down the things that we love, and we come back around to what is God's ultimate will, ultimate plan. If salvation's not all about going to heaven, then, then what is the point? In Ephesians 1.7, it actually talks about this and explains what the will of God is. So it says this in verse 7, In Jesus, in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good, good pleasure. So now it's going to explain what the will of God actually is, the ultimate will of God. It says, uh, again, we'll go back to verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. This is it, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The will of God is to bring heaven and earth together. The will of God is to bring heaven and earth together. Now, this might seem like a new concept to you, but it's not. If you've studied uh, Revelation, if you've studied all the end time stuff in the Bible ever or you heard us talk about it here, we know that God's ultimate plan is eventually to have his eternal kingdom here on earth and that he wants us all there. That, that, that you matter to him. And so ultimately, when you raise your hand for salvation, you're not saying, hey, God, I want to go to heaven. You're saying, hey, God, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice to be used by you in any way you want. So you can't be the living sacrifice, or you can't know the will of God until you're the living sacrifice. You can't know your direction until you're willing to sacrifice the things that make you not a vessel of God. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. And so this... This is a mind twister for people because they're like, wait, I thought it was all about going to heaven. I thought it was all about that. No, that's not what it's about. It's about fulfilling God's ultimate plan. Now, side note, I love cake. Cupcakes, any kind of cake, but it's got to have frosting. You know, and it can't have, it can't have that nasty whipped frosting. Nobody likes that. Don't uh me. It needs to be that rich frosting. Like, I'm talking like the, that, that like stuff that's on good wedding cakes, not bad wedding cakes. No offense if yours was a bad wedding cake. It's got to, it, you know, it's got to, like, when you take a bite of it, you got to, like, feel the sugar granules in your teeth. Oh, it's so good. We had a kindergarten graduation for our, our twins the other day, and they had cupcakes after, and it was good frosting. And, and I saw this kid. By the way, I am going somewhere. And uh, I, I saw this kid. This little girl, she, she was sitting across the table from me and the kids, and she, she, she ate all the cake but not the frosting. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, I thought about eating her frosting, but then I thought, nah, it's not my kid. That'd be kind of weird, you know. <laughs> Give me the frosting. It's like the best part of the cupcake. What is wrong with people? So salvation... Fulfilling God's ultimate plan is like the cake, right? All of the other things about it, because you go, well, then what's the point of getting saved? What's the point of getting saved if all it is is just helping God fulfill his kingdom? It's all the stuff that God promises along with it. 
Yes. Is it eternity in heaven? Yeah. Is it, is it fulfillment in your life? We read that scripture last week that said when we, when we take action to follow what God teaches, it brings greater fulfillment than anything we can do on our own. That was the scripture we had last week. Okay, so like what comes along, what is the icing on the cake is all of the promises, all of the things that God, your heavenly Father, who loves you more than you love yourself, lavishes on you, the word says, when you make a choice to be a living sacrifice. If you want to experience the will of God, if you want to experience the promises that are in the word, you have to choose to lay yourself down to lift him up. And you get, all the, you get all of the benefits of that. You get all the frosting. But, you know, before you can have the frosting, you have to have the foundation of the cake, right? Like, really, you could eat just frosting, but it's not as fulfilling as when the cake is there, right? You can search for just the frosting parts of the Bible, but you'd be an 80-20 Christian. You'd be missing out on the foundation, on what's really important on what the real plan is, what your real destiny is, if all you're looking for is the frosting without the cake. Why don't you just take a minute, and just before we pray, just close your eyes, everybody right where you're at. I feel like we've been doing this lately, but I think this is good. So just close your eyes, and in a, in, for a minute here, in your heart, just think about yourself. I think it's important that we take a moment to think about areas of our life that, that we need to surrender to God. What is it in your life that you, you have been holding on to, to that has kept you in an 80-20 situation? What is it in your life right now? You know, it's, it's already popping up in your mind. The thing that you are more devoted to than God. I want to ask you today, would you be willing to lay those things down so that God can fulfill his ultimate plan with your life? Some of these things are going to be hard to lay down. Some of these things are going to be a challenge. God never said it would just be easy. But he did say, if you follow him, that his promises are true. And that he has a destiny and a future for you. And the beauty of this is if you're willing to lay those things down, make him Lord, follow him, he does preserve you after death. You do get eternity with him but you get to look forward to the second part of eternity, which is when his plan is fulfilled and you get to live with God in his eternal kingdom. You get to share life with him. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, you know what's in their heart right now. You know what they struggle with and you know what they're victorious with. And God, you know the areas of their life that they have refused to surrender or sacrifice to you. You know the things that they find most valuable. God, today I pray that you will inspire us and motivate us to lay those things at your feet, to allow you to be in control, to not let those things control us anymore. And God, I pray that you will help us navigate the path to get to those places where we can sacrifice those things. Lord, I pray that you will open the hearts of people that are around us that cause us to stumble to allow us to give us the freedom to walk the path that you have for us, Lord. I pray that in the area of addictions that you break down the bondage in our minds and in our hearts that has us committed to addiction, God, and walk us down the path of freedom. 
And God, I pray you'll motivate us to, to use our time in a way that builds our faith in you instead of breaks it apart. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here in this place today and you feel like your life has just been a series of mistakes or problems or issues, I'm, I'm here to tell you that you need Jesus because he'll heal all of those things. His grace, his forgiveness, his love, his mercy, his redemption is greater than all of your mistakes. If you feel like your life is worthless, like maybe you feel like you're too far gone or, or you're past your prime and your age and how could God ever use you? I'm here to tell you, you need Jesus because Jesus can redeem and refocus your life right now no matter where you're at. And you can be used for the purpose that God has created you for even if you only have one day left. God wants to be part of your life and he wants to lead you to that destiny. So if that's you and you're here and you know you need Jesus, with everybody's eyes closed right where you're at, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody that knows they need Jesus and wants to make him Lord today? Awesome. 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 The usher's just giving you an envelope. Put it on your lap. Just information for later. As well, if you're watching online today, it doesn't matter if you're in this room. If you know you need Jesus, lift your hand up. I can't see your hand, but God can see it and he knows your heart. And you can meet him right now right here. So the Bible's really clear on how we invite Jesus to be the leader of our life and how we begin walking this out. First off, we got to believe that he is who he says he is, that Jesus died on the cross, defeated the grave, and rose again for us. And today, today you're making a decision to say, I, I trust that. I trust in God. But then every day after this and every moment after this, your life needs to declare that Jesus is Lord. In your actions, in your words, in everything that you do, you, people should know that Jesus is Lord of your life. And we're going to start this out by, by, with our words, praying together to invite Jesus into your life. As a church family, we're going to all pray and we're going to welcome you together as, as we watch as your life is transformed by Jesus. And so, uh, so let's pray together. Pray this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner, and I needed forgiveness. Thank you for giving it to me. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I choose to live for you from this day on. Lead me as I follow, fully devoted, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.